Good evening and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I am your host, Marianne Petrie. This episode of Slam the Gavel is sponsored by CPS Protect Consulting Services. A Child Protective Services case is one of the most frightening experiences for any parent. Don't face it alone. Face it with confidence with urgent assist by CPS Protect. You can have access to former CPS investigators to make sure you preserve your rights and protect your family. If you're facing CPS involvement and aren't sure where to turn, their child welfare consultants can help you. Visit CPS Protect Consult forward slash I'm sorry, cpsprotect.com forward slash subscribe and enter the coupon code slam the gavel for 60% off your first year of urgent assist. And this is available in all 50 states. I have another announcement. Bradley's mother, Narcus Golan, passed away in the fall of 2022. Bradley is autistic and needs structured routine and therapies he receives for his autism six days a week. However, Italy just entrusted Bradley to Italian social services. If he is ruled to go back, he will face the next three to four years in the Italian foster care system where he cannot speak or understand the language. He will then be taken away from the only family he has ever known. Please call Governor Hochul, New York State, 518-474-8390. That's Governor Hochul at 518-474-8390 to keep Bradley here safe in these United States. Hashtag keep Bradley safe. And my last announcement is go to the site, pleasedoyourjob.com. That's www.pleasedoyourjob.com. We need 2,500 more signatures to get a case reopened. It's very, very important. And I have a brand new guest on. I'm happy to have Lori Reynolds on. She's a mom with two children. And at the time, she began experiencing domestic violence shortly after she had gotten married. And DCF had placed the children back into the house after the mother started a divorce care class at her church and had started counseling at the domestic violence shelter. Now, Lori has given me a timeline events and uh, evidence of everything of the uh, abuse. And I welcome you to my podcast, Lori Reynolds. Thank you so much for having me here and allowing me to talk about the children's experiences. Definitely. How, well, where are you at right now and how are they? Well, actually, because I wanted to actually in the future, keep the children as as far away from the domestic violence as possible. I'm actually living in a, a home in South Georgia, which is actually an hour and 20 minutes away from where they are most of the time. So I'm actually in a, a small little town called St. Mary's, Georgia. So, and the children are adapting to the home as their own. So they're <laughs> yeah. they working on it. Mm-hmm. They're working on it and, and, and trying to say, you know, we're here every once in a while, but they're adapting into their rooms and into the mindset of sort of being in a new place very slowly. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for them to adapt when they, go from one house to the other. I don't know if you have that issue. Right. Well, yeah, they have, um, well, they do talk about, you know, the, the other house, um, you know, as far as, I don't know how far you want to go into it, but as far as what the abuser does, he, he uses a, 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 uses certain things in order to keep them connected there. He doesn't use himself. So anybody who's listening, who's had any experience with domestic violence knows that abusers do things like they buy a dog in order to keep the child emotionally connected. So that is something that the children will talk about. They'll talk about the dog that he bought. They said, I I speak to my children, but especially Gray, Sky is in a completely different place because she's eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's, she's not at the point of discarding him, but when I talk to Gray, he says that his his, his big issue is that he does not want to leave the dog. So they are adhering to this emotional abuse. They talk about wanting to be home. They say that they don't want to leave the house when I take them back. I don't want to leave the house, but I have my friends and I have this dog. And this dog is the other day, my uh, Gray had said something about the, uh, the dog keeps him from having mental breakdowns. Mm-hmm. that's where he's, he's, uh, and so he's, he's well aware of, of where he is mentally. 
and 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 Sky has a completely different <laughs> set of issues that are coming from the abuse that she's living in. She's she's experiencing other types of abuse that are different from Gray. So they they both have different mm-hmm. different. He's he's doing different things to both of them, adhering, I think, to both of their ages. Right. So the dog is at the ex's house. Correct. I had nothing to do with this. I do not speak extensively. Uh, You know, obviously, if anybody were to read about what happened to me, it's not uncommon. Domestic violence is all over the place. It's it's all over the country. The Mm -hmm. problem is that people don't talk about it that's the problem the problem is that people um i believe need to talk about it like they need to talk about addictions which was something that was never in my family something that never happened to me something that's never happened in my extended family but anybody who has even an addiction a drug addiction an alcohol addiction is something that people need to talk about domestic violence people try to push down they try to say i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about the you know, my wife abuses me, you know, she verbally abuses me, you know, she'll hit me, she'll slap me, you know, he'll, you know, he'll, he'll, you know, punch me, you know, I mean, and there are things that I'll have to hide, you know, for Mm -hmm. ages, people would sit and say, we, we don't need to talk about it. Yes, we do. Oh, definitely. People, even your own family members, they just don't want to hear it. They just want to think everything's hunky dory. And, you know, um, because you've been through a lot of all of this court. Have you ever been to court before even this incident? No, in fact, I didn't. Um, the only uh, incident, uh, actually, in fact, no, I've never had, um, no, never had traffic tickets ever. Like never, like, no, no. I had never entered. In fact, in fact, it was, it was a little bit odd, except for one other tiny, well, that's not a tiny incident. I don't know how far you want me to go into that. But it was not a, a, a criminal matter. It was actually a civil matter. It had to do with Gray. And I had obtained uh, parental rights, but I am his only legal parent. So the other party, uh, had he had uh, terminated his parental rights because uh, uh, Gray was the result of a sexual assault. Oh, no. Uh, so and, and he is the best person on the face of the planet. And I'm, I'm the luckiest person in the world to have. But, you know, that was the only other incident. Besides that, I had entered into uh, asking for a dissolution of marriage. And as I gave you in the summary, there, there were many reasons why I, I took, you know, being married very seriously. Mm-hmm. And I had always told myself, I'm only going to do it once. Yeah. And then uh, I took it very seriously. Oh. And um Essentially, the domestic abuse was a spiral. And once it sort of like a snowball, you know, everybody knows that it, it feels small at first because of the emotional abuse. Right. You know, there's a little bit of a verbal abuse. You know, it starts out with things like a lot of your listeners may know it starts out with something like name calling. Oh, that'll happen every once in a while. And then Put down. It's emotional. Oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. Shuts down, locks the door. You know, there would be days when he would just lock the door <laughs> mm. and I would knock on the door. I was like, do you want to talk about something? And he would never speak. He would never speak and he'd be behind the door. And one, one of the days that I remember, I remember this day is that the, the children walked up to the door and they, and they knocked and that just started it. That just started it. Mm. It just started the snowball of something is very wrong. Mm -hmm. And the problem is if you, as everybody knows, this word is thrown around way too much because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not, I'm not certified in psychology. My children have not taken psychology courses, but when you have someone who has narcissistic tendencies they will not engage. They are not going to engage. They are not going to admit that they did something wrong. Mm-hmm. And once it hit my children was when he started ignoring them, when he started ignoring their existence. 
This happened very shortly after um, my uh, my daughter was born, who is the only child that I had in common with him. Mm-hmm. The only child, and and it, so one of the oddest things about the case is that that Gray was left there, but he has nothing to do with him. He was never adopted by him. He was never, ever, I, I would never, ever allow an adoption by him. I never allowed that. Never, ever, ever. But they left him there, even after many events of abuse that had been documented. Um, and it appears that Florida DCF likes to pick and choose, mm-hmm. sort of like how, uh, you know, people might, uh, <laughs> you know, even though nobody's perfect, of course, it's sort of like how people look at the Bible. You know, they'll say, well, I want to I want to follow this Bible verse, but not this one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Florida DCF operates on suppressed evidence. Yep. They uh, and not uh, obviously not unlike other states where you talk to others where, you know, every single state does that. Well, we suppress evidence. We're not going to tell the judge that the children keep saying that they want to come home, which my children did. We're not going to release the videotapes in which Gray and Sky had said that they were frightened to live there. Mm-hmm. We're not going to tell the judge that. We're not going to give him the videotapes. I remember one day that it, there was a supervised visit and Gray had said, uh, I don't I, I don't want to go back because, and this was a frightening thing as a mother. What am I going to do while I'm sitting here and I'm fighting with an attorney? And a private attorney at that, I've been through about six or seven private attorneys that I've, I've paid with my own money. I, I never used public defenders, didn't mm-hmm. use that. But my son had said, I'm frightened because he has knives in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. This is how far it went. You know, in other words, they, they were seeing that. And at the time, he was seven, eight, nine years old. My daughter was, uh, that was incredibly cruel, too. She was taken uh, after at the age of two while she was still nursing mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the judge had said no more nursing for <laughs> no good reason had stated it in a hearing now it was my understanding that that is the type of ruling that happens with um, you know with parents or, or mothers who uh, who have had addictions in the past but with me, no, you could look me up and <laughs> I have no history of alcoholism, no history of drug abuse. No, I've never, I'm a, I'm a college graduate. My father is, is a, a recipient of the Legion of Merit mm-hmm. from the United States Marines. I come from an, an unbelievable father who has served overseas. Uh, he, he taught me well mm-hmm. and he is an, a, I, I was a, a college graduate, which is why I stress it with the children too. Mm-hmm. You need to put your keep your education seriously. And when they're with the abuser, they show little interest. That's show- happening with a lot of parents I'm talking to. When they're placed with the abuser, the education goes out the window. And that's horrific for any children. And that's horrific for any children. Not now. Uh, Gray will show me a little bit more. His grades are actually fairly okay, but again, I think that's partially because he's he's breaking away. He's allowing the discard. But as far as my daughter, I press as 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 hard as I can. As her mother, as you know, I, I press as you know. You need to take your education seriously. You're just like it. You 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 need to take it seriously, like your mother did. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's an unbelievable thing that the things that they've been through, my, my daughter, but my daughter fought too, you know, even at the age of two, I mean, she was, I'm sure part of it was because she wanted a nurse and that was, it was, it was difficult in the supervised visitation centers. You know, I had attorneys telling, you know, the, the judge, you know, uh, um, there is no cause of action in this case. One of them said that there is no cause of action in this case, <laughs> according to Florida law. Like there's nothing sitting here. Uh, I had um, another attorney who actually tried, <laughs> who actually tried. He had filed emergency pickup orders and and there are three big 
events that would maybe make maybe make um gray and sky and 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 silas's experience a little bit different from everybody else but um it, you know if you time to talk about it but you know it, it, sky from the very beginning one of the reasons why i felt for dissolution of marriage was because he had been registered with the national center for missing and exploited children mm-hmm. um and it, it, i had called them he had abandoned um gray and me in a hotel room in ohio and had said uh had taken sky who was two and said well we're going to go buy some medicine for you because i wasn't feeling well walked walked out the door and he didn't come back this was uh august 2017. he had fabricated uh, a situation in which he had stated, we should take both cars and leave the area because I believe it was Hurricane Irma was Mm -hmm. coming through. Well, we should probably leave the area. And it had appeared afterward that he had simply planned the whole thing from the beginning. He had tried to find a way in order to take her. And it occurred to me long afterward, the reason why he had done that was because not just because he had seen my divorce care workbook that I had for my church before I filed for divorce, but that he knew that I was going to leave Mm -hmm. and he was doing his best to leave with her. He knew he couldn't take Gray because Gray is not his. And -hmm. at that time, their brother Silas was not born. So he had taken her and I had called the police and the police said something, the Ohio police said something completely odd. It said, we can't follow him if he's crossed state lines, which is odd and an unbelievably odd thing for a police department to say, oh, well, we can't follow him. We don't know. How would we know where he is? Bizarre. So I called the National Center, not knowing what to do, not knowing what they were going to do. And they took the case. I had a case a manager. Her name was Meredith Morrison. And they said, we need his license plate number. We need his uh, photograph. We need your daughter's photograph. We need his phone number. They had started calling his phone number. He had left with her for a week. She was not nursing. They had left with her for a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had continuously called his phone. Eventually, the case manager, Morrison, had let me know that um that he had turned off the phone, but somehow they were still able to track him. He had turned it off. He never answered the phone. He knew that there were people after him. Mm -hmm. And eventually what they told me was, there is no reason for you to stay in Ohio. You need to go back home. And the, the most horrible, one of the most horrible besides, well, everything in the past six years, you know, like I told my son, the past six years have been hell. You realize that, you know, I told my 13 year old son, oh, yeah. it's, it's, it's literal hell. But they said um, one of the most horrific moments was when Gray, and I want to keep an emphasis on the children because, you know, no one talks about children's rights enough. Mm-hmm. No one talks about them enough. Um, he looked at me and he said, uh, but where's, but where's Sky?" Mm. And I, uh, mm. and I didn't know what to say. We actually had our dog there in the hotel room. Mm. And I said, uh, they're, they're looking for her. And he's like, he's at the time seven, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, where, where, where is six, where is she? I said, we have to go back. So as soon as we arrived in Florida, I had filed for dissolution of marriage. And this was following uh, substantial domestic abuse. Um, I would say the largest event being September 11th, 2016, in which he had strangled me. Mm -hmm. At that time, uh, I knew I had started living separately in the residence. And I... uh, essentially guarded the children until I could find a way for us to find a safe house to leave. And I had to save money 
in order for us to leave. And I had to find clever ways to do that too. But anybody who's been with an abuser knows about financial abuse and having to tell him, I simply want to go to school so that I can get more income for the house. He fell for it. I took out student loans. I saved the student loans in order to leave with the children. And that's what I did. I saved the refunds from the student loans. And someone from my divorce care class said, I have real estate. I have a safe house for you guys to go. We went to the safe house. And then uh, shortly thereafter, uh, DCF had started showing up. And they say they had showed up uh, to the safe house. And uh, they had essentially trapped me long before I knew what my rights were. Uh, they had trapped me. My attorney did not really help, but was not sitting there with me, but did not know what my rights were. Uh, we had all just, just, you know, two days prior had escaped domestic abuse. I had left the residence after he had brought Sky back. I ran out within 10 minutes. I told the children, get your things, we're leaving. We ran to the safe house, DCF shows up, and they essentially trap me. I, 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 apparently this is what they do in every state, but Florida DCF trapped me, had stated, um, uh, well, we have programs for domestic violence survivors. We can help you. We can help you. You know, we can help you. And of course, at the time, uh, you know, I hadn't had time to research because I was still taking grade of school. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I was putting Sky into the car and she's two years old. I was putting her into the car seat. And I was continuing to drive him to school, drive back to the safe house, drive him to school, drive to the safe house. So I didn't have time to think about that. Didn't have time to research the rights. So, you know, when they had said, well, we have these programs, we just need you to meet us at your office. I go with the children oh, no. at the office. Why? I'm like, why do you need me to read? Oh. Well, no, it's okay. No, I mean, there are things for all of the children. So why don't you just bring both of them? Oh. So you're not, so you're not going to believe this. <laughs> no, actually, no, this is, this is, I show up, they set up a time. This is September 10th, 2017. Uh, they set up a time. I show up with the children and my ex-husband appears with the Florida DCF worker and two police officers. And just very nonchalantly, as they always are, very casually, they speak to you, de facto agency, you know, very much like the mafia. Everybody knows it. They operate just like the mafia. Mm -hmm. They, you know, the, the worker, the DCF worker just said, we're simply placing the, the children with him until we figure out what's going on. And I obviously what this is in the uh, Florida, <laughs> one of the Florida uh, Department of Health and Human Services buildings. So this is a public building. And they did that on purpose. A public building. Trapped me. Trapped the children. And so they went through more trauma, mm -hmm. turned and looked at me and said, Mom, Mom, what's happening? What's happening? The police officers, what, what's happening? And, and, and Sky is looking at me. She's too, still nursing, of course, mm -hmm. looking at me. The abuser looks at the children and says, no, you're just coming with me for a while. And they've never come back. They never fully come back. We're just coming with me for a while. So they're, they're looking at me. And, I, and I, all I did was I looked at them and I said, I'm coming for you. I got on the phone with my attorney mm -hmm. and <laughs> I said, I looked at the worker and I'm like, I'm calling my attorney. Do you understand me? I am calling my attorney. You can go ahead and call your attorney. They're always so much lot. You can go ahead and call. Oh, yeah. call. And he says, the response from the attorney was, they took both of them. Mm -hmm. Like both. And he's like, and I was like, what exactly are you going to do about this? He said, well, I, I mean, I can file a motion. I mean, what do you mean? I, I, you could you could file a motion to get them back. He calls me shortly thereafter saying that they were going to have a shelter hearing. And he ends up participating in his own um, uh, duress. 
he had obviously been talked to by them. And, and he said, uh, just sign this electronic pad, never read a thing. And this happens to parents all across the country. I know mm -hmm. didn't read it. It was just an electronic pad. Sign it. This is about getting your children back. Mm -hmm. I had looked at my attorney that next morning and had said, I want a trial. Mm -hmm. What exactly are they accusing? I want a trial. You get, you tell them that I want a trial. My attorney looked at me and said, that will do no good. I was forced under duress to sign it. And, uh, and that was, that was the first run, but, but it, it got stranger in November, 2018, the abuser fell into a prolonged coma. Mm -hmm. And, uh, my attorney had, uh, uh, at the time, which is actually a different one had filed for an emergency pickup order. Uh, he had cited, uh, six counts of the right violations of the right to due process, including the right to a shelter hearing, because instead of letting me know, my children let me know that they had been placed with non-relative former neighbors, mm -hmm. people that I barely knew. I barely knew them. They had babysat the children maybe twice during the marriage. They had babysat them twice. I knew these people, but I didn't know these people. The right. judge had reprimanded them, at, or at least pretended to. Oh, he had stated, pretended. He pretended to stated, oh well, you know, it's, you know, he had made this statement on the bench at this private hearing, saying, you know, in twenty-five years of being on the bench, I have never seen you guys place children in a house without a shelter hearing. My children had let me know they had been placed somewhere else. This was three weeks later. My attorney cites the violation, says that the rights do, they're not even say, telling the mother what's going on. They're not even, nothing is, you're, they're doing things, they literally put them on an underground train, was essentially. The, the children show up, they only told me in a, a, a super a visitation center, my children told me, in a visitation center, oh, well, we're living with the cooks now. What? Mm. My attorney had to call his attorney and say, what is going on? Well, he's in a coma. He's in a coma. <sighs> he's in a coma and you're not bringing them home. My attorney goes, oh, no. Right. The judge had written something that um, Many attorneys say can can turn the whole thing around, but uh, had written in a um, an order to defer uh, the pickup order had stated that DCF's actions were unlawful and highly disfavorable. That's the quote. Um, they he says, uh, you know, he had said the essence of obviously sending children somewhere else. I mean. That's essentially like wartime. That's mm -hmm. essentially like we're in a war and you put the children. Like this is World War II. Let's put them on a train and they're separated from the children. Any parent who's actually dealt with this, mm -hmm. dealt with CPS in general, whatever acronym they use in any state, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, the, the only reason I think why the judge didn't place them back is because the abuser had miraculously stumbled out, literally stumbled out of the hospital to the next hearing. And he said, well, I, I suppose if he's well enough, the children can stay. That was 2018. But, and this was, this was incredibly odd because, you know, the question that I always get is why were the children taken anyway? Well, he had, after I had filed for dissolution of marriage, he had filed a, a perjured police report stating that I had hit him with multiple objects. And, uh, and I had uh, testified at, at court what had really happened, that I had literally passed by him to pick up a, our dog mm -hmm. at the time. He had hit in his car to jump out at us in the apartment. And I had ignored him, walked around him and grabbed the dog and left left with my daughter. Gray was at school. Then I get a call from my attorney two hours later asking me if I had hit him. 
And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? And mm-hmm. he says, well, he just, he just filed for an injunction. <sighs> and that's sort of where it all started. This was September, 2017. The injunction hearing was October 10th, 2017, in which I had stated that in fact, no one had touched anyone when I had gone back to get the dog. Mm-hmm. The only reason I had gone back to get the dog is because my son had said he missed the dog. Oh, so we were going to bring him back to the safe house. Mm-hmm. And so the abuser hides. He hides his car, and I'm thinking he's not there. He's at work, and he jumps out from the back. Doesn't touch me. Doesn't touch my daughter. But it essentially filed a police report stating I hit him with three different objects, a flying frying pan, uh, a pot, a cooking pot. And he had used three different terms, <laughs> oh a my frying God. pan, a, a cooking pot. And a and this was like a four page police report, like where he was, he was trying to create a, a um, false narrative. Section. Yeah. A whole narrative of, of what had happened. Right. He, he was able to present, you know, photographs of cuts on his face but the issue was that the cuts did not adhere to the same lacerations that you would receive from objects that large mm-hmm. so the judge just sort of gave the children to him you know he just he uh. said well I, I suppose I mean I, I, I mean he has photographs so I don't know and he just, the children were left there and again, they were pulled from the safe house, and then you know DCF was, uh, you know, had had found out that the perjured police report was unsubstantiated in the beginning of 2018, mm-hmm. but still left the children there. So they knew it was fake, but they mm-hmm. left the children there. They they left the children. So and and the children did children did quite a bit. I remember one day Gray had said in his counseling session, uh, you know, I never missed one. I never missed a counseling session. I, I never missed a quarterly, you know, hearing. I never missed a monthly case plan meeting. I had warned DCF, this is going to go badly. Something is going to happen to the children. Mm-hmm. And eventually it did. <clears throat> eventually it did. The children, um, uh, he had eventually, the abuser had eventually assaulted and battered my son on March 7th, 2019. And he had apparently gone to school on March 8th. He was taken to school with these lacerations. And as you, as I showed you in the photographs mm-hmm. that I had given you, lacerations. And my son at the time was nine and he was brave enough to tell his story. He knew he was living in that house. And he looked at his teacher and he said, yeah, he took me out into the garage. And he just started. I, I, I kicked the box out of frustration and he, he hit me. And you could see it, and the injuries. Uh, and, and I had found out at a, um, the visit. <laughs> and even, the, even the, the worker sitting in the visitation center was like, do you want to call the sheriff? Like, this is like, this is unreal. Um, I was told nothing until later that um, his school had filed a police report for him, mm-hmm. had filed a police report for Gray. Um, and, you know, had told him the story. He had told the story. He, he had kicked a box in the garage and then he had just simply hit him. And I said, well, why did he take you out into the garage? Well, because I told him, he said he wanted me to clean something, but I, I told him, I told him I was hungry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he wouldn't, he said, I, I, I need food first. So when he came back into the house, he looked at his, his sister who was three at the time. And Gray had said that his re- her reaction was that she just she stopped talking to him for a long time. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't even associate with him. She was so angry. At the age of three, what can you do? Right. I mean, to the extent that you can, she just stopped talking to him. Mm-hmm. There is, especially I had hired Dr. Sandra Spear to do a child abuse assessment. And I had given that to you as well. In which she does talk about how 
they're still not getting food. In fact, they're coming to the house now, their real home. And they're talking about how they're not getting food. They're still saying it. And they've said it recently. I have recordings of that. They're still not getting food. And the court ignored her whole summary. They just didn't acknowledge it. Yeah, they really didn't acknowledge it. What had happened was um, they they didn't even acknowledge the uh, um, the signed affidavit from uh, John Bischoff, who was the CEO of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They had even ignored that uh, from the very beginning. Yes, they ignored the assessment. Um, Dr. Spear was uh, ready to testify. Uh, and I had an attorney at the time. And again, it's, you know, the attorneys all get tied into what DCF wants and they stop and they don't move forward. My daughter, I mean, even Sky, Sky did her own fighting. I mean, she would, when, when they told her that she had to leave the visitation centers, she would, before she knew it was time to leave, she would start timing. She was two, three years old, four years old. She is so smart that she would start taking off her socks and shoes, mm. staring at them, looking at them, saying, you're not taking me for my mother. Do you understand? Like she giving them a, and, and the workers would look and go, okay, Sky, it's time to go. You gotta, you gotta go back to your dad. Oh. And she would start kicking, screaming. She'd, she'd kick, she'd kick. She'd say no. There were days when she would come into the visitation center, she'd crawl under the, the chair and she would say, he's a monster. Mm -hmm. I remember that day. He's a monster. I can't, I can't deal with it. They have now come to the point of, again, what happens through childhood trauma? You know, they, they come to the point where it's sort of a strange acceptance. Uh, they may also, although I'm not a psychologist, have traces of, Stockholm syndrome, and we know that can happen. Mm -hmm. But again, they haven't been diagnosed. I, you know, um, you know, once I'm given the time, <laughs> mm -hmm. I would like to see what is actually happening with them. I would like to see what a psychologist says, where they are, and how to heal the childhood trauma. Right. And you and right. I had talked earlier before we popped on about the ACES study, the adverse childhood experience study. Um, and <laughs> It's just so sad kids have to go through this. They can't even enjoy their childhood. Yeah. And, it, and, and I, and, and now it's, it's, I mean, any, any parent that's listening, I'm sure there are plenty of parents <laughs> and the majority of your listeners now who've, who've just been through it. And they know this, you know, their 13 year olds like mine act like they're 25. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what I'm talking about. They know exactly what I'm talking about. They act like they're 25. Well, I'm 30. What he, you know, Gray has now come to the, the point where he says, I can't wait to leave. Uh, mm. He talks about being 18. Oh, the minute I turn 18, I'm out door. And I, keep having, I have to keep telling him, you can't lose faith in me. I haven't given up the fight. I'm not, I haven't stopped. Don't look at your mother. You can't look at your mother like I've stopped the fight. I don't care if it's been, if it's, if it's 18 years, I'm never going to stop fighting. I'm never going to stop fighting. But he's talking about worst case scenario. He's saying, oh, I will turn around. I will. The minute. He's just, <laughs> 11, 14 in the morning, December 7th, his, his birthday is coming up. He's about oh. to turn 14. Hey, December 7th, I'm out. I'm out. He says, and essentially, he says, I'll never look back. Even Sky is talking about living far, far away. She's eight years old. She's talking about it. I'm going to live far, far away. They've, and it's it's kind of, a, you know, I don't know how many parents deal with that, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with them and saying, you know, you never have to leave me. You know, you'll always be safe with me. Mm -hmm. But they've chosen their own countries to live in. That's how far they want to be. Uh, Gray has stated, oh, I want to, all he ever talks about now is Denmark. I want to live in Denmark. Sky says, all I want to do is live in France. They want to be as far away 
as possible. Oh, I just want to be in a completely different place, completely different life. And they've essentially given up the life that they have. So that it's almost like they've, they've, they've taken off a skin. Mm-hmm. Like they're sitting there, but the house that they're in doesn't mean anything to them anymore. It, it's, it's almost as if it doesn't mean anything. Right. And they say, I don't want to leave. They come here and they're like, well, I don't want to leave. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you always sit with me. You know, we need you here. Mm-hmm. You know, we need you here. But that's what they talk about. They talk about leaving. I want a completely different life. I want it. They, they, like you said, they need to be children. They need to be playing. They don't need to think about this. Children, no. they don't need to think about this. They don't need to say, oh, I, I want to be, well, this is different from knowing what you want to be when you grow up. But, you know, I want to be an acrobat. You know, I want to just, I, I want to flip. You know, I, I just I just want to leave everything behind. This is, you know, in, in childhood, I read everything and watch everything I can about childhood trauma and how it's um, even more dramatic than adult trauma, which is why I, I focus on them. And, and I have mentioned to them, yes, we're going to be doing counseling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd better believe it. Oh, we're doing it because we have to get back to who we were. Right. You know, before 2017. And again, you know, not being in the court system before, you know, it was, uh, you learn your rights after, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're learning. Learning. yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's too late, you learn your right, and then all of a sudden you start reading and going, wait, so when my lawyer made me sign that, that's called duress? Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> what? Oh, you mean that like that was a trap? It was all a trap, right? Mm-hmm. Florida DCF, it's it, it they all trap. And of course, they were able to do it because the abuser cooperated with them. He allowed them to do it. Absolutely. He used them as a tool. He used them as a tool in order to take them out of the safe house. Yes. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah. And well, and I had, you know, attorneys who were like, uh, I'm sure plenty of the, uh, you know, the, the parents that you've talked to mm-hmm. on your podcast here, they, I'm sure they talk about how they were never allowed to speak in the hearings. They were never allowed to defend their children. Um, I did have eventually my last attorney during the dependency case had pushed for a dependency trial and had actually trapped them. I thought it was actually very clever. <laughs> yeah had actually trapped them by showing up to the hearing with a, uh, I'm sorry, with a witness that was about to testify on my behalf, shows up and the judge says, well, obviously if you have a witness, we need a trial. So I guess we need to schedule one in two hours. Oh, that's amazing. They were so upset. so upset it was a it was it was a beautiful move my attorney may it was a beautiful move and the point was that uh this dcf investigator of 25 years had testified by the last name of thompson had testified that their brother silas was just fine with me i was paying for my own place to live oh uh i the place was fine she had inspected it Silas is doing great. She says he's a very healthy boy and gray and sky should be with her. And there's no reason why. So essentially the dependency trial ended up being one County fighting against the other County and St. John's County, who are the the perpetrators had essentially said, well, no, we haven't seen the house, but we, that doesn't really matter to us. That doesn't matter to us. They were intent on keeping Gray and Sky as prisoners in St. John's County. They were intent. And Putnam County had said, you know, that Thompson had said, I've been doing this for 25 years. There's nothing here. I, 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 we've been sitting with the mom. Silas is fine. Their brother is sitting there waiting for them with their mom. They're waiting for them. They're, they're, it's, you know, they, they should be with her. Um, and, you know, even even the case manager during the trial had had uh, admitted that I was substantially compliant according to Florida law. And according to Florida law, as long as you're substantially compliant, 
they are supposed to reunify. Right. And they did it. And they did it. They ended up leaving the children. Uh, the judge ended up leaving the children in an order for permanent guardianship. Oh, no. Until further order of the court. Oh, no. And and when people ask me when I. Yeah. Uh, when I ask attorneys, I had asked attorneys, what exa- what am I supposed to do now? I ask attorneys, well, what, what is this? What am I supposed to do now? They they ask me, well, what exactly did he put them in an order for permanent guardianship in St. John's County? And I said, uh, well, what was cited was that I did not have full time employment. And the attorneys that I get on the phone, I have consultations with these attorneys and they're like, he can't do that. You can't that that's not a that's not a a legitimate reason to not reunify according to the law Mm -hmm. the law does not say you cannot reunify because you don't i even talked to my son about it the other day the abuser was what happened was he ended up being having full-time employment and then as soon gray had told me actually it was yesterday he had told me yesterday that as soon as he had placed the children with him, even after the assault and battery, which was three months earlier against Gray, he had gone to the first coast forensic team in Jacksonville. He had to go, uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I was never given that paperwork. I've never been given medical records. I've never been given dental records, Mm. never been given educational records. Never been given everything Florida DCF appears to do is, especially in this case, what is based upon the idea of suppressed evidence. They only showed the judge what they wanted to show him. Mm-hmm. That's all they do. Well, we're not going to show you that the children say they want to come home. We're not going to talk about the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. We're not going to talk about the strangulation. We're not going to talk about the assault and battery against Gray. No, we're going to talk about the guardian ad litem showing up to the quarterly hearings the day after a videotape shows that the children said, we are afraid of living there and we don't want to go back. The guardian ad litem showing up to the hearing the next day and saying, they're doing just fine with the father. They said the same thing every time, every time, every time the children, it was, it was as if the children have even gotten to the point where, you know, when I mention uh, fighting in the courts, they'll look at me and I think, I think it was Gray who had said, uh, you know, mom, I really don't see the point. Mm-hmm. because he's, he's talking about how he had fought so hard. He's talking about the kind of bravery that he had to have to tell his school and his teacher about the assault and battery that happened the night before, that they had to file a police report. He knew he was putting himself at risk. Mm-hmm. He would talk about Sky being hit over the head. He would talk about you know, oh, you know, you're three years old, but, you know, she'd be smacked up, you know, you know, upside the head, you know, you know, he would talk about that, you know, Sky would, you know, there was a reason why Sky said that, that he was a monster, but, you know, she's now very recently showing signs that she's also suffering from sexual abuse. And I, and I don't say that lightly. I have just um, um, gotten in touch with the Florida Council Against Sexual Violence, mm-hmm. um, he has apparently been exposing himself to her. And they said, if, if you get your daughter to say that he is asking her to touch him, then we're going to move forward. That was their response. Interesting. Don't know why they went in that direction. Exposure is against the law. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely against the law. Don't really care. No, that's against the law. This is someone who's 40, 
43, I don't know, I forgot, you know, it's like 44, 44 years old now, 43, 44 years old, and you're exposing yourself to your eight-year-old daughter. I reiterated it with my son, Gray, do you think it would be weird if I asked you to shower with me? Mm. Yeah. Same thing with Sky. <laughs> She's eight. Eight. She's not two. She's not two. She's school age. It changes. You know, the school age, it changes. I had hoped and prayed. Please, Lord, I know that there's been physical abuse, psychological, mental, emotional. You know, I, I remember, you know, years ago, I had said, please, Lord, just don't, don't let it get to sexual abuse. Mm. Please, Lord God. I, I I asked Greg, Gray, has he, has he, uh, has he ever touched you? Gray says no. Mm -hmm. But I didn't bring this up. My daughter had, she was brave enough to tell me, you know, a couple of, I mean, it was like three weeks ago. She had actually said it as if she had, it had been normalized. Mm -hmm. Mom, don't you want to take a bath with me? She looks at me and I go, Sky. Well, honey, you're, you're six. Or you're, you know, you're eight. You're, 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 you're a big girl now. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I, I, I take showers with dad all the time. Oh. And I froze. I stopped. I called the Florida council, spoke with their attorneys, and they said, we need more information. Now, my issue is, as I had told them, and here's here's the caveat. The issue is for anybody who's listening, if you've had, you know, even tried to talk to DCF, if someone tries to force you to talk to CPS, you don't want to do it again. So I looked at this attorney in this meeting and I said, I will not allow them in again. Mm -hmm. Well, we would have to contact them. Don't know what to say. That's the trap. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I, children's rights need to be more. They they need to explode. There need to be more. Um, the recent, although the recent, um, I'm sure you you're probably going to talk about it, Marianne, or you you probably already have the uh, the ruling against John Hopkins Hospital. Oh yes, the, with the Maya Kowalski case. I mean, that, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. And I, th I thought that was, and that's, that's huge. I mean, I, I even need to go back and, and look at the, uh, the trial, but I, I did see the verdict. Mm -hmm. was, um, those poor children. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you give me 407 million, wait, you're giving me a billion dollars. I'm not getting my mother back. Do you understand me? Mm -hmm. I don't care if you give me a billion dollars. I don't have my mother those poor children sitting there. It's, I know. And, and the caseworker, they should just take away immunity off these people. Personally, they should just abolish family court and CPS because they serve no earthly purpose. I agree. I agree. I absolutely agree. In fact, I just told, I just told my sons actually yesterday who we were sitting somewhere and I looked at them and I said, I'm, I'm going to give you a little advice. This is my first point as head of family. This is my the for a big point of advice. Never sign anything. Never sign anything. No, I did the same yeah. thing. I signed stuff under duress. I completely understand. I said, don't I said not even and I looked at them and I said, not even for a car. I will give you cash to get a clunker car. You will sign nothing unless it's a house. I tell you, you will not sign anything. Not a darn thing. So I said, when you guys find wives one day, guess what? You're not signing it. You're not signing a marriage. No, you're not signing a marriage certificate. You will find women who will not sign a marriage certificate because God doesn't care if you sign a marriage certificate. <laughs> he well, doesn't care. He sees you. Yeah. He sees you. God sees you. He already knows. He knows you made the promise. He knows you made the vow. Mm -hmm. Well, people. Do what you need to do without signing something. Right. Well, you know, they don't trust anything now. Your kids don't trust anything now. I don't think mine do either. And it's made everything a big mess. Um, 
And I, I would love to have you back on my podcast. Oh, absolutely. oh that's wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm glad to, I would like to talk. Um, well, thank you. But I would like to talk about more about what, what Gray and Sky have done in, in their fight and, you know, and as far as Silas, what I've told my, what I've told my children about, you know, one day when you guys are in your 20s, <laughs> I told them the other day, you're going to be, you're going to be mighty ticked off. You know, one day this is really going to hit you and mm. I'm going to be like, well, and I'm going to look at you guys and say, well, you were strong. I mean, my my only advice to anybody who is suffering from domestic violence, there are plenty of organizations. If you look online, most people have access online now. Look mm. online and find um, there are people who give away escape bags, things like that. Safety kits. Look up the idea of a safety plan, but do not absolutely do not. And I hate saying this because I went to plenty of them. Do not go to a domestic violence shelter because CPS has infiltrated the domestic violence shelters. Mm-hmm. And I, and I'll, if any of your listeners are going through that and they're like, well, I want to leave it, well, what am I going to do? Well, don't go there because CPS will get involved. Uh, you have to do it yourself. Right. Don't, don't know what to say. There, you have to find a clever way to escape the financial abuse. You have to find a way to gather money. You have to find a way to gather money, no matter what. You have to hide it. You have to find a way to hide it to get out. Mm-hmm. You have children, find a way to hide it. Do not go to a domestic violence shelter. Good grief, it's probably better to sleep in a car. I, I swear to you, do what you have to do. Do what you have to do. That's mm-hmm. That's all you have to say, because the children... There's even there's a fantastic uh, even a, even a fantastic uh, a video with Terry Crews that people should look up. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one, Marianne? Yeah. You've mm-hmm. seen that one where he talks about it, and he he had said you know uh, his father was always abusing his mother. And he's such a great. He seems like such a great guy, and he's so oh yeah, great. definitely. He's, like, he's hot. so. It's like so great. It's like there's like a, a genuine person, but he says he had looked at his mother and he says, I, she had looked at her children and said, where, then this is important because this is to the point of leaving domestic abuse. Where are we going to go? She said to the children mm-hmm. and Terry Cruz said she, he looked at his mother and said, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. We'll live on the streets was his quote. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. You guys, Please, I'm, I'm not, it, there's nothing special about my, about this story, unfortunately. I'm just saying, please don't stay. Mm-hmm. Please, please. Because even people, people try to justify it by saying, well, it's okay. It, it's, it's okay. It's okay because it's better for children to have both parents. Hold on. Mm-hmm. There is actually scientific evidence that shows actually sometimes it is better to have one parent mm-hmm. as long as you cut it completely off mm-hmm. i'm sure you know more about that than i do Marianne. it's better to cut it off actually there are some things that are missing psychologically that can't be denied but overall the trauma the lack of that much trauma of seeing people fight seeing people hit each other Seeing people abuse each other, your parents, mm-hmm. causes more issues over time because that creates childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. That creates that creates a different kind of trauma. It's all about what do you want your children to learn? Right. What do you want your children? Do you want your children to learn to stand up for themselves? Yeah, especially in the face of abuse. But hey, um. How can people reach you if they have any questions? Well, you can always reach. Um, I can give you an email address, but I'd probably have to spell it out. It's L-A-U, Lori Reynolds Viking at gmail.com. L-A-U-R-I-E-R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. Like Reynolds rap. I always try to tell you. <laughs> Reynolds rap. Reynolds rap, right? It's an <laughs> old, very common Irish name. Mm-hmm. Viking, the person. This is all one word at gmail.com Lori reynolds viking at gmail.com gotcha i'll put that in the podcast notes but uh, don't jump off okay 
Absolutely. Right here. Okay, great. Slam the Gavels, a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in these family courtrooms. I am your host, Marianne Petri, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth, and Raised by These Wolves, How Family and Federal Courts Are Failing Our Children. Please join us again here in the future with Lori Reynolds and other exciting guests. You can find me on Spotify, YouTube, Apple, iTunes, Anchor FM, iHeartRadio, and feel free to buy me a coffee to help keep this podcast go and thank you so much Lori. thank you very much for letting me talk about gray and sky and silas and what's happening to them because all these all these children need a voice and i'll have you back so don't go anywhere absolutely <laughs> <laughs>